Teachers are so important. Like, they actually are. Care about it and, like, actually try. I believe it is a beautiful piece of art. Welcome along to See Me After Class for 2020. This is a podcast that emanates from a beautiful school in the southern Alps of New Zealand. Now, let's meet the team. And here is Cathy, a parent who aspires to make connections in a community to build a successful future. This is Chris, who aspires to be an agitator who tests the boundaries just to see how the system reacts. And this is Anna, a silent observer who's a go-between between the students and the teachers in a classroom. This is Renee, who aspires to forge a progressive and creative path. And together, we are See Me After Class. Welcome along to See Me After Class. This is episode 55. And in the light of the fact that we're coming up towards National Courage Day, we've been doing some interviews with students in the school who have shown great courage in a variety of different ways. It's kind of a natural segue from our discussions about identity. And today we have the very great privilege of speaking to Abhishek, who applied to be a head student this year and made quite an outstanding speech, which you get to hear at the end of the podcast. This time as part of the conversation, I have Abhishek, who's in my year 12 English class, and he's been doing some things around the school that I've found quite remarkable lately, particularly a speech that you made as part of your application for head student. And as a response to that, I feel like I want to know more. Now, at the moment, we're all talking in this theme of courage on this podcast. So I'd quite like to ask you whether the speech that you made felt like a courageous thing to do. I think it did, because when I was writing it, I felt that there needed to be a structure within it, and I had to present myself as why I'm the best applicant. But when writing it, it felt really wrong to say why I'm good at this and good at that. Instead, I wanted to say what's wrong with the school and what the school could do better. So instead of talking about me, I talked about the school and its problems and I guess why, how I could fix them, but I didn't really talk about that. More the problems and how the school needs to fix them in a whole. So uh, you're a year 12 student, you've been at the school now for six years, you're wanting to be head student, and you choose that moment to put forward your critique of yeah. how things are done in the school. What, what motivated you to do that? Well, <laughs> I guess it was my one opportunity and if I need to say anything that was the one chance because I had all the executives in one place I guess and even if I didn't get it that was my one opportunity to say what I had to say and I went in there it was authentic and I said what I believed in they heard it which is I guess my favorite part of the whole thing what's come what's occurred as a result of you having done that I guess they have heard it and they I guess they are taking it into consideration and I know some teachers are putting plans forward to make new groups in the future to help the problems that are within the school. So that is a good sign, and I'm glad that's happening. Do you want to share some of the problems that you consider to be important to address in the school? Mostly, uh, one of the big problems is that the younger years aren't educated on the problems that are happening in the world, because they obviously understand them and they know what they are, such as racism and sexism and homophobia and all that. They know what they are but they don't know how to understand it and they don't know how to 
think about it and they don't know how to have an opinion on it. They just say it and they don't understand the consequences behind it. Because obviously I, I teach some younger kids and they are horribly racist. <laughs> but I, I try to tell them that it's not, but I don't think they can comprehend like what they're saying. Because I think the school just tells them or just the world tells them that this is happening. But they don't tell them how to use that information and think about what they're saying. So that's one of the big problems within our school, I think. You had a moment in your own school life where you actually almost suddenly saw the racism that surrounded you. Yeah. Could you tell us about that? Um, of course. So we were doing the racism event in... We were having a racism event in our school and everyone was going up and I didn't plan to go up but I thought it was just interesting to see what everyone was doing. And uh, everyone finished and hearing everyone's thing, hearing everyone's speech, it just made me think about how much racism I'm feeling and like how racist everyone is to me and for some reason it never went through my brain that people are racist to me I don't know why I think it's because I just laughed it off but after like hearing everything and thinking wow that happens to me all the time I just I, I like tapped to someone who was an exec I was like hey can I go up they're like sure so I went up interrupted someone I think so I went up and I just said it and it felt amazing to just say everything that's been in my head that I never knew I had and just blurted out there and it felt amazing to just have people sitting there hearing me and nodding their hands and agreeing and it was something else. So what did you tell them? <laughs> I, think, I think I just told them my experiences and what people have said to me. Something that a person has said to me is you're the whitest brown person I've ever met or something along those lines and uh I told him about how this epiphany came to me in drama when we were doing a drama performance on racism and someone had to be racist towards me and it was really easy for that person to be racist towards me. It didn't make sense to me why. And I just told him that and I told him about the whole telemarketer stereotype and how people think my family are telemarketers. And I just went through the stereotypes and what people have told me. And it, it it's kind of surreal to think that that's the reality and people obviously hear it but like they don't feel it and they don't have the same emotions that I have with it because they're told it but they they can't connect to it I guess but when someone said it to me I connect to it really well and I understand what they're saying and it, it's a scary thing to put yourself out there and go up and say hey this is it and I did have people come up to me after and argue with me for some reason about what I said which made no sense but you know I had to just say this is how it went I said what was true and you can be mad but it's how yeah. it is one of the things that I found notable in um, your speech which you've recorded for us and I think people if they want to can listen to themselves was that you spend a lot of time concentrating on the needs of others mm. so while you were expressing some concerns about norms in the school you were also focusing a lot of your attention on groups in the school who you felt deserved a better deal I find that quite interesting. It occurs to me, and I'd be interested in your opinion about this, that maybe when you experience challenges, social prejudices yourself, it makes you perhaps more tuned to the experiences of others. Mm. I think it makes you more aware of what other people are having, because obviously I have racism in my life, but from that I can see that other people have other problems like homophobia, transphobia, and all that. And the reason I said the stuff about the LGBTQ event in my speech was because there are a group of year, I'm not sure what year they are, students who did come up to me after that event and tell me heaps of things. I'm, I'm good friends with them. 
but they came out to me and told me all these things and it was it was surreal to think that these little young um juniors could have all these opinions and it, it was just i need to i needed to say it to someone so mm. i guess saying it to the execs was a good thing because that that little junior group had so much power and passion behind what they were saying to me and being in that position where i could say to the executives this is happening was really powerful so putting yourself forward to be a student leader you actually perform the role of representative even in the application yeah that's something. i get to be proud of isn't it i know it? it was it was it was quite nice i liked it yeah, yeah. i would um come back to courage again and suggest to you that in a lot of senses for a lot of your life you've been the only indian kid in the group mm. what effect do you think it has had on you on right now i don't think it really had an effect on me i think it just made me more aware of what's happening because right now all i think is that people heard it but nothing's really been put into action i guess and i just know that people are aware of what i said mm. and people have came up to me and said this is great this is great but they can say that all they want but if there's no change that's happening then i don't really feel like any pride in what's happening but i'm going back to the question because i want to reframe it a little bit a thing that interests me which you may or may not have an answer for is to understand because i don't share your experience to know what it might be like to be the only indian kid in school or your class through the years like what what is that like i guess when i was younger i never really had felt anything i was just a part of the boys and yeah. we, it's just how it was but now that i think of it back in the day it was really i guess it's really weird to think that i had a group of white kids over at my house for a sleepover and it's uh, it just made no sense to me how it just doesn't make sense of how why they were there and why they were my friends but it it's nice to know that i have these group of people who care about me and are, are willing to back me up but it's really weird to be that one indian kid in that group because it's a large percentage of i guess white people in my group and in the school and being that one indian kid is such a different experience because no one understands my story and what i've been through and i guess all the white people can relate on something or I'm not sure what but i i just can't relate because i'd hope backstory in india and living there and living in poverty and what not and living in how it looks shacks and life there and then coming here into this privileged place of modern aesthetic and a life where it's so fancy and so privileged i guess they don't understand what i've been through and uh, i don't think they understand how grateful i am for what i have because it makes no sense to live here and my parents coming here from the like gritty parts of india it's just it's just a weird experience to think they don't understand what i've been through so you're expressing quite a lot about how there are fundamental parts of your identity that are different to mm-hmm. those around you and because they don't share that experience they don't have an understanding of it what what sort of things do you want them to understand i guess that though i am from a different place they think that i'm the same as them which i like i understand i like to think that you know they think of me as equal but also i've had different experiences and a, a opinion you have some on something is completely different in my opinion like take being grateful for something right it, let's say one of my friends bought a new phone and it's it's a new iphone whatever and it's so fancy and what not and you know they really i'm i'm happy for them to have that 
thinking about like back in when I was in India, we had nothing and we had to like walk to it like the opposite street through the grit and poverty to go talk to someone. And me now having this phone that I can go call my family in India, it's, it's surreal to think that it's so much has changed. And I think just, I'm, I don't like saying that I'm really grateful because it makes me seem like I'm really egotistical, I guess. I, I, I don't like saying that I'm this and this. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I will say that I am, I guess, really grateful about what I have and I'll, I'll forever hold that. And I'll always be grateful for what I have and what my parents have done for me. And no one can understand how, what I've been through and what my parents have done. And it's just, it's a, it's a nice feeling, I guess. What do you think it might be like if you did encounter another person whose experiences were like yours? Oh, it'd be amazing. We'd have the best chats. Hmm. Um, I know, we could just relate on a lot, I guess. There is, there is another... Whenever I go back to India, it is quite nice just talking to them about how life is there, and I get to talk about how life is here in New Zealand. And it's just two completely polar opposite things living. And talking to someone else while in India about life and how it is, it's just... It, it's like a connection that you can't get here and you can only get if you find another Indian person that came down. And it's a connection that you can never find anywhere else. And I think with the language as well that you speak there, the language is so raw and authentic and just rough and gritty that it just like holds you and encapsulates you and it just makes you want to stay there and just you feel every emotion of the word that's said. And then you come here and you try to talk to someone and there's such a formula on how to talk to someone there's such a focus on the idea and whatnot but I like it when you go to India and the every single word you say to them and every single thing that you do has such a meaning and emotion behind it. Do you find when you are in India that you're considered to be one of the Indian culture or do you are you considered to be a person from New Zealand who is Indian? Uh, I think my family my family likes to think that I'm from New Zealand and I'm a Kiwi boy. Right. But whenever I'm in the community, they think I'm Indian. I think a little bit of that is because I've kind of lost how to say the language, which is Tamil, and I've lost how to say most of the words. So I kind of, I normally speak English to them, which they kind of use me sometimes to write their English reports at school. So yeah. I, it's kind of, you know, but I guess my family thinks of me as a Kiwi boy. But like deep down, I know they care and they think that I'm one of them. And it, you know, my grandma loves me and she thinks of me as always an Indian boy who never moved away. Is there a loneliness in being never quite known wherever you are? I think the only place I really feel safe, and the people who are listening to this will understand why I stay home so much a lot of the time, is because at home, my two, my two Indian parents, like, they're the, I'm the only Indian kid for them. I'm the only Indian person in Wanaka other than, like, some friends who they can talk to. So I want to be there for them and I want to like be there for them and talk to them and so they can tell me about family life in India and all that. And I feel really guilty leaving to go into town or whatnot and talk to my white friends because I just feel guilty that my family can't be in India, that my parents can't be in India talking to whoever in their family because they moved here from me and I feel really guilty that they're not in India. They always talk about how they want to go to India and talk to other people and have that experience and move back there. But I feel really guilty that I can't do that for them. So I I normally just like to stay home, just be with them so they can have that little bit of Indian in their life, I guess. Looping right back to head student, this is the day after 
the announcement was made and you were not selected as head student. This is quite a difficult question to challenge you with and yeah. you don't have to answer, but um, do you have, a, do you have a, a statement to make about that? Do you regret anything about how you applied or um, anything in the process? I don't really regret anything on what I did. I went in there and I was authentic and I said what I believed in and I would regret it so much if I did anything different because I went in there and I didn't feel safe saying why I'm the best for this. I felt better saying the problems and my experiences. I wouldn't change anything of how I did it. And though the results turned out not in my favor, I think that's life and that's how it went. But my ideas were put out there and my thoughts were put out there and people have heard them and possible action would be taken on them. That's great. Thank you for this opportunity. And thank you for sitting down and listening to me. Good afternoon. I've come here to apply for the position of head student. This would be a great honor and would allow me to strengthen and, su and support the diversity within our student body. I've been a proud student at Mount Aspiring College since I came from Wanaka Primary. Through my time here, I've become good friends with many people throughout the year groups. And I can proudly say that I am involved and, su and supported in many aspects in the college and the wider community. However, throughout my time at Mac, Issues concerning the student body have become apparent within the college that are not supported by or encouraged and ultimately negatively impact student well-being and my pride of being a member at this college. The student voice at Mac not only needs to be heard, heard more, but needs to be the face of the school. The student voice is what the school is built on, and when heard, it drives the school forward in a positive way. It inspires students like it did to me and can advocate change within the school. However, to support the LGBTQ community, in the school, the cultural committee and the school held the Pride Pledge Assembly. Now, from many people I've spoken to, and my own personal thoughts, I saw it, and so did many other people see it, as a publicity stunt. Now, I'm not saying that it is, but from the people I've spoken to, some in the Pride community saw it as offensive. I even had one student come up to me and say, and I quote, Despite all that, I still didn't feel safe enough to wear a rainbow bow tie to school. Now taking the racism event, run primarily by students, I think that event, though smaller than the Pride Assembly, had so much more meaning to it. It was genuine and had real student stories behind it, and it was done to bring awareness to racism in our community. It inspired students like it did to me, and brought light to problems and how students are really feeling. Now, I've been through racism and I've felt unsafe within the school because of this, and I've felt unsafe within the school. But, because of this racism event, I know there's a community backing me, and I want to make sure that everyone within the college knows they, can, they have support and they should feel safe within the school. One of my fir first priorities, nor if I was head student or if I was not, would be to make sure the LGBTQ community can express the same issues that I did and many other students did in the racism event, but are in their own way. I'm a serious advocate for equality within our college. Feeling as if you have to hide yourself in a community where everyone is different is a terrible thing. But even if I can help one student express themselves and make them feel safe enough to be their true selves, that's a win. The truth is, the school isn't perfect, but I, but I believe with proper change, we can make it better. Student connections is also a big part of the college experience. I loved going to Fano every morning, but I hated Wednesdays because of assembly, mostly because I didn't go to, go to Fano and see people and, and talk to them. I think the culture in those whānau really shaped me into the person I am today. 
I had people like Peter Mackay in my whanau who introduced me to people who said hi to me on the first day of school when I was terrified. I think not only whanau, but the whole school and community needs more of that. I will make people, the whole school community needs more of that. People who can make connections. I will make sure to connect everyone together, no matter who they are, so in the future any student can lead the school forward and use me in my position as a connection to make their ideas not only heard, but put into action. Mac has gone through a rough year and is, and is going through a lot of changes. COVID-19, lockdown, a new principal, a lot is happening and change is a scary thing. But if we stand together, we can make a change for the better. Throughout my five years at Mac, I've seen, the, I've seen both the positive and negative aspects within our college. I've seen the positives and I'm ready to strengthen them and I've, and I've identified the negatives and I'm prepared to fix them. I understand the struggles of being a student and I know when to speak to students as a leader and when to speak to them as a friend. I want to be the face of the college. I want to be, t I want to be that person to stand outside on Anzac Day in the pouring rain representing our school. I want to be that person to stand up at assembly and lead our college forward. I want to show our community why we and Mac are accepting, res respectful, understanding, aware, and that we are ready to make a change for the better. Thank you for listening, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to present myself. This was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris. My Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net. And mine is at Renee Plunkett too. See you next week. <laughs>